Well, hey, well, those of you that uh, don't know me, thank you, Ricky G. My name is Bryce Washam. I'm the uh, media pastor and young adults pastor here at Freedom Church. So uh, thanks for having me tonight. Just want to give a shout out to Pastor Kendall. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for trusting me with the pulpit tonight. I don't take it lightly. So glad to be here tonight on night number two of No Shave November. Anyone else jumping in on No Shave November? No? Wow. One. <laughs> All right. It was on my calendar, so I thought I'd, thought I'd point it out. Well, hey, who here had a busy day today? Anyone have a busy day? I can relate. I want to say thank you for coming here tonight, seven o'clock on a Wednesday night, coming to the house of the Lord. So thank you for that. But, you know, I read this little, uh, this little joke here I thought I would share with you. But it says, for a couple of years, I've been blaming it on iron poor blood, for a lack of vitamins, dieting, and a dozen of other ailments. Why am I so tired? Well, now I've found out the real reason. I'm tired because I'm overworked. The population of this country is 237 million. 104 million are retired. That leaves 133 million to do the work. Well, there are 85 million in school, which leaves 48 million to do the work. Well, of this, there's 29 million employed by the federal government. So that leaves 19 million to do the work. Well, there are 4 million in the armed forces, which leaves 15 million to do the work. Take the total of 14,800,000 who work in state and city governments, and there's 200,000 to do the work. There's 188,000 in the hospitals, so that leaves 12,000. Well, you know, there's 11,998 people in prison, so that leaves just two people to do the work. That's you and me, and you're sitting here listening to jokes. But hey, you know, when it comes to the human experience, whether we're Christian or not, I think we find ourselves playing the comparison game, right? And they kind of call it keeping up with the Joneses. We find ourselves in this mindset of the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Well, if I had the job that that person had, or if I had the income that they had, or if my kids behaved as good as their kids, or if my spouse treated me like their spouse, you name it. Well, Christians are just as guilty of this. And I want to share with you three life principles tonight from the Apostle Paul that I think can kind of help us live a better life. I want to call the word a life worth living tonight. So this is a letter from Paul to the church. I want to give you a little bit of background on the letter, but it's the, the letter of Philippians, by the way, if you're opening your Bible. We're going to tune to Philippians in a moment. But he's writing this letter to the church that he started in the city of Philippi. It's in Eastern Macedonia. It was an honored Roman city. It was a military post. And when he writes this letter, Paul is presumably in chains. He's at prison right now as he's writing this letter to the church. Well, a strong friendship had developed between him and this church. He loved these people. And, you know, a lot of Paul's letters are usually he writes and he rebukes them. He'll, he'll give it, they call it the sandwich method, where he kind of gives them a good thing, and then here's a bad thing, and then another good thing, right? But so he'll say things like, hey, you know, your church services, you guys need more greeters at the front door, or you need to be brewing the coffee, way sooner before service starts, or you need to play a few more hymns, you know, kind of mix it up a little more. No, not really. It was more things like, stop sinning so much. You know the truth. Apply this to your life. Well, this letter is a little different. This letter is more love and affection, and he loves these people. He is close to them, and he wants to kind of give them just a little shout out. It's a little edification. It's a little glorification for this church. So amidst all of this busyness, all this comparison game that we live in life, how can you and I biblically pursue a life worth living? That's the question tonight. So we're going to read chapter one. We're going to read a little bit of a chunk of it together. Kind of like to comb through it. 
So I'm gonna set the table with this, okay? Philippians chapter one, starting in verse number three. I'm reading out the ESV, by the way, if you're curious. But it says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers of me or with me of grace. But in both my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness how I yearn for you with all affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it may be known through the whole imperial guard and for the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident of the Lord, uh, in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill, the latter of it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely by thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And right here's where we're gonna kind of stick through the night, but it says, yes. And I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with the courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ for that is way more better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for you have progress and joy in the faith so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you and or in absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm at one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign from them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So that was a lot of scripture right there. You just got most of chapter one. But I wanna kind of, I wanna be kind of transparent, kind of vulnerable here with you for a moment, a little self-consciousness. But I realized that I am the 28-year-old single guy. Like, what do I know when I'm trying to convey to you these principles? But I do know this. I know that I can speak boldly and confidently. Chapter one right here, 
It's not me, it's St. Paul sharing this. It is God's word. It is living, breathing, and active. And we know that this will not return void. So I know I kind of, I always get nervous up here in the adult stage because, you know, I'm used to the young adult crowd. We're kind of all at the same place. And then I'm over here and like some of you are two times older than me. Like you got a whole family, you got it all figured out, right? And here I am like this young buck. What do I have to say, you know? But I believe what I'm about to share with you, these next three points, regardless of, me being this kid up here on the stage, you can take this, we can apply this and put it in our lives. So with that being said, where can we start? Simply first, point number one is to glorify God. If we're gonna have a life worth living, it needs to be a life that is glorifying God. So one thing to think about with this is Paul maintains his hope in the Lord in the midst of this unfavorable situation that he's in. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're walking through an unfavorable situation. You know, we have all sorts of hurts in our families, maybe among our friends. And, you know, being a Christian doesn't exempt you from going through pain. You know, we have things in our life like sickness, death, divorce, legal issues, finance issues, you name it. Well, Paul's writing this letter. He's in the middle of a pickle himself. He's imprisoned. He's been imprisoned at least three times throughout the New Testament. But he is in prison. Presumably when he writes this letter, he's with his buddy Silas. He had been out in the city. They were they were out doing ministry. There was a woman that was demonized and they went and they cast this out of her. And it actually ticked off a lot of people in the town. They were making money off of this, this woman being demonized. And so they cast this out. She's been set free, but the town's mad. They start beating and flogging these guys. They get locked up in prison. They are in the prison all night. They start singing some praises. Maybe they're singing some, some Chris Tomlin, some, some Bethel, whatever you just heard on Air One or KLTY driving in, they were singing some worship to the Lord. And what happens? In the middle of the night, this earthquake starts to rumble. The chains fall off of them and they could literally walk on out of there. They could have left. The guard comes out thinking, oh man, everybody's gone. He's about to have to kill himself, fall on his own sword for losing all the prisoners. And the guy's going, no, no, wait, we're, we're all here. Everyone's accounted for. And these guys, the prisoner or the, the guard gets saved. The guard and his family get saved off of this uh, not prison break that happened. How beautiful, even in Paul's terrible situation in the midst of something terrible, who wants to be in prison? Well, he's praising God through it all. He has a mindset that he's gonna praise God even through the storms. He's honoring God while he's stuck in the pen. I have a joke that I threw in here when it comes to wasting time because he didn't waste his time in, in the pen. He didn't waste his time. He was sharing the gospel. And then I think of myself, some of my friends are in here tonight, they'll throw me under the bus, but uh, I waste a lot of time sending memes to people, sharing them on my Facebook wall. And I saw this and I thought, oh, how, how perfect. But this was someone saying, I just arrived at the pearly gates, was, was greeted by, by Jesus. And he goes, did I waste my life posting memes? To which Jesus said, no. Dozens of people read your memes every day. You wasted dozens of lives. <laughs> so how are you going to use your time? Paul used his to further the gospel. Maybe your job feels like a chain or, or prison. How can you use your time there to glorify God? The Spirit of God provided all he needed. It says that in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Even 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Paul mentions Jesus Christ 18 times just in chapter one of that letter we just read. So the first key to life, having a life worth living is to glorify God. The second one I wanna give you is growing fruits. I'm trying to give you some Gs. It's not a real sermon unless there's alliteration with the same letter, right? So glorify God, growing fruits is number two. Paul was ready to die for Christ, but he knew that continuing in the flesh could result in more labor being done. He says, verse 22, if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You know, I think of my, uh, my grandmother with this. Her name's Grandma Donna. She's 86. She's up in Wisconsin. And uh, I actually just went to Wisconsin last weekend, hung out with her. I thought I was going to go up there and relax, but it was actually, Grandma's probably watching, by the way. She, uh, she watches faithfully. She talks about us like a TV show because she's in Wisconsin. So she talks about, Pastor Kyle got up on stage. And I'm like, I know, I, w- I was there. And, and then Kendall said this, and LA played this. Like, yes, I know, I was there, Grandma. So Grandma, if you're watching, love you. So I was with her last weekend, and I thought it was going to be some R&R, some rest and relaxation, just chilling out up in the cornfields. But it actually turned into a winterizing project. I was carrying all the plants and the, and the chairs and everything down into the cellar. I was raking the leaves, setting them on fire in the driveway, because that's what you do in the country. Uh, I then was summoned to my uncle's house, and uh, we loaded enough firewood for him to burn through all of the winter. <laughs> and uh, so it was a very... Uh, they, they got their time out of me while I was up there. It was fun. It was fun. But I think of my grandmother. You know, she said to me once, we were on the phone talking, and she goes, you know, I just don't think the Lord's done with me yet. And she's saying that she's 86 years old, you know? Like, she's had a great life. But she's like, no, I think Jesus still wants me to do something here on earth. So that's why, that's why she gets to stick around. So he still wants her to do something. And, you know, I watch her... Uh, she witnesses to people in a unique way. I don't really know of a politically correct term to use this but, or how to say this, but she talks with old people boldness, if you know what I mean. When you're 86, you kind of don't care. You just tell it how it is. She just tells people how it is. She don't sugarcoat nothing. But uh, I love that about her, and I love the way that her heart for the Lord and the way that she just shares the gospel with random people. So I want to be like her. I want to be like grandma. But anyway, Galatians 5.22, well, like I said, number two is growing fruits. So what are the fruits? The fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. So Alfred Noble, if you guys know who he is, you might be here in a second, but he's known for the Nobel Peace Prize. Less well-known is the fact that Alfred Noble also invented dynamite, as well as a chemist, an engineer, and an innovator, he was a weapons manufacturer. And in 1888, Alfred's brother Ludwig died. Well, a French newspaper erroneously published Alfred's obituary. It condemned him for the invention of dynamite, stating that the merchant of death is dead. Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Well, Alfred Nobel was devastated, by the foretaste of how he would be remembered, his last will and testament set aside the bulk of his estate to establish the Nobel Prizes. He gave the equivalent of 250 million US dollars to fund such prizes. He had a rare opportunity to evaluate his life near the end and live long enough to change that assessment. So my question for you tonight for point number two here is what are the fruits of your life? 
What will others say of you after you're gone? Maybe tonight you can begin to rewrite that story. Maybe you don't think it's gonna turn out that well. But point one is glorifying God in all circumstances. The good, the bad, the hills, the valleys, the mountains. Number two here is growing those fruits. And now number three, Bear, if you wanna make your way back with the band, is giving your all. So verse 25 says this, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So when I say the word give, maybe your wallet got a little tight, your mind probably went straight to money. And sure, that definitely is part of it. Jesus did say where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? But what are some of the other biggest ways we can give? Hmm. I know if you do look at my money, if you look at my credit card statement, you're gonna see where my priorities are. It's the two T's. Everyone knows the two T's, right? It's travel and Taco Bell. (laughs) That's my life. And Pastor Kendall razzes me about that on a weekly basis. But you will see a lot of Taco Bell in my credit card statement. Um, But you know, one of my mentors recently said to me, we were sitting at my house talking, and he said, you know, the moment you die, it's not gonna matter how many dollars you had in that bank account, how many miles you had in that frequent flyer account. None of it matters. You're not taking any of it with you. And that was a good check for me. In the grand scheme of things, none of that matters. And you know what? In today's world, uh, you know, we've said we've been living in unprecedented times for like the last three years now, but things are crazy right now. The last few months, I've I've watched my stocks and investments drop, watched gas go up, we've watched the housing market, we've watched the interest rates soar. Big stuff like this really makes you start thinking about what you prioritize. But when you can prioritize giving to the kingdom, giving back to the Lord what he already gave to you in the first place, that's the best investment we can ever make. So that's what I have to say about your money. So you can calm down. But second to that is giving of your time. Time is action. Time is worth something. Everyone has a value to their time, right? And one thing, I'm, I'm gonna share this for a moment. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Pastor Kendall because of the time of year it is right now. But the evangelical church, we're often called the sleeping giant. There's a lot going on right now in the world. You might know in six days is the election. There's early voting going on right now, but we can speak, you can spend some time and take it to the polls. Go vote, go vote as the church would vote. Go vote as a Christian would vote. You know what I'm talking about. You know where we stand on being pro-life. We care from the womb to the tomb, we care. So go reflect that in your vote. Anyway, I'll get off that. But it's time, it's time to vote. It's Wednesday, next Tuesday's your last day. But there's there's ways that we can give our time. We can serve in the community at the food bank. We can go to the homeless shelter. We got great things right here at Freedom that we're a part of, things like Dallas Metro or Real Options for Women. I remember back in 2012, it was my very first mission trip to ever go on. I saw Lisa Burns here tonight. She was on that trip. It was me and Summer McGee, Kendall's daughter, Summer Bridges. And uh, we kind of coordinated this trip. And I think like 15 or 20 of us went. And I tell you, one week, out in downtown LA on the streets of Skid Row. We were sleeping at the Dream Center every night. And as a 18 year old kid from uh, Carrollton, that really changes your perspective 
very quickly. So parents, all you youth parents in here, you wanna teach your kids a little bit of humility, a little bit of thankfulness, send them on a mission trip. It'll give them some perspective very quickly. Anyway, we went to the Dream Center in LA. Time went on and uh, I was listening to a sermon that Pastor Matthew Barnett had shared online. And uh, I don't remember the exact circumstances of this. I'm gonna kind of give you a paraphrase here. But basically there was a man in the, in the church, his young daughter, like five years old, had tragically passed away. I don't know if she was murdered or if it was an accident or, or what the exact situation was. But in this story he shared, this man lost his daughter. She was his everything. And he went on to the point of not even wanting to live. He was waking up every morning planning a suicide. He was planning to be done with all of this. And for whatever reason, the Dream Center was calling his name to go help every day. He would just get up, have this terrible depression over him, and he would get out and serve. He would go out there to the Dream Center and serve food. He would go out there and help the needy. Until eventually, weeks, months, I don't remember, but months later, this man, he lost that desire of self-harm. He lost his desire to end it all. He was now addicted to serving. He wanted to help others. His life now had purpose. He had meaning. And that was out of serving. You know, sometimes when we give up our time, we think, oh, we're helping others. We're doing it for them. I'm helping Pastor Sterling in the parking lot hold signs. I'm helping make the coffee. I'm helping in kids' church, helping Erica out. You think that you're helping others. When in reality, maybe it's God cultivating something in you. Maybe he's teaching you to have just a little bit more empathy. Maybe he's helping you grow in some of those fruits. Maybe he's helping you grow in some patience. If you work with those kids, you might need a little patience, right? Maybe some kindness. Maybe he's wanting you just to gain a new perspective. But when you give up your time to serve others, it changes you. It changes things. It changes your situation. So I'm gonna say, everyone, if you would, would you stand up with me as we begin to, to wrap this up? We're gonna have a moment of prayer in just a few minutes. So prayer partners, staff, elders, deacons, anyone that's here will call you forward in a moment. But maybe you're here tonight and this kind of resonates with you. I think, Bonnie, you can put that next slide up. But I kind of thought as I was reading through this, I kind of see there's, there's different things in here. You know, we're glorifying God. Well, what is that? It's a mindset. It's a mindset of how you see things, how you see your circumstance. It's not living in this victim mentality of the hand you were dealt, but you choose to glorify God through it all. Through the fruit is the heart, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the actions speak louder than words. By your fruits, by their fruits, you shall know them, is what Jesus says. Lastly, giving. Giving's an action, right? Whether it's your time, which is really valuable for some. A lot of people said they were busy today, but giving your time to the kingdom, giving your money to the kingdom. So maybe that any of these are you. And uh, there's gonna be an opportunity before the night's over. Maybe it's giving financially. Someone's gonna come up here and tell you how you can give. Maybe it's giving of your time. We got people out in the lobby. We got Shannon, we got Kristen. They'd love to tell you ways that you can help serve. You can help be part of the kingdom of God. Maybe you haven't been producing much fruit in your life. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit isn't evident in your life yet. If you were to die right now, what would your obituary say about you? 
hopefully no one in here came up with something equivalent to dynamite, but what would your obituary say? Would it make you sound like the best servant? Or maybe lastly, maybe you need an attitude shift. Maybe you're in a prison of your own and you just need to learn how to start glorifying God through whatever situation that might be. Maybe you need a new perspective to look through. Maybe you need a new prescription, a new way to see things. So whatever that may be, we wanna pray with you tonight. So prayer partners, if you could make your way forward, appreciate that. I'm gonna pray over the room tonight. And if you have any need, any need whatsoever, whether if it's something related here to the sermon, if you need a healing in your body, if you need a breakthrough in your life, whatever it is, we wanna pray with you, we wanna believe with you. We don't wanna end the service without the opportunity to pray with you. So I'm gonna pray over this and I'll clear out of here. If you need prayer, you come forward. So Jesus, thank you for tonight. I pray that this word, I pray that Philippians chapter one, we can apply this to our lives. I pray for fruits to grow. I pray for perspectives to shift. I pray for a servant heart to develop in each of us. Whatever we're carrying, whatever burden that may be right now, we give it to you. We give it in the name of Jesus.